I'm so glad you've tuned in to receive communion here on Good Friday. You know, as we pause today, we use the phrase Good Friday. It's good for us because we remember that Christ made a way so we could experience eternal life as our sins are forgiven. But it was not good for Jesus. Today's message is called the Lamb of God. And I want to encourage you during this song that you go to your kitchen and get the elements of communion. Get some juice, water, whatever, just something to drink uh, to remember uh, the blood of Christ. Get some bread, a cracker, something to remember the body of Christ that was broken for us. But take just a moment and do that now. Let's talk about the Lamb of God as we understand Christ's role in the Lord's Supper or communion. I want you to go back with me in time to the Jewish Passover. About 1,500 years ago, Moses, the Israelites, they were in captivity in Egypt. It was a terrible time for the people of God. They had been slaves in Egypt for a number of years. Their numbers had swelled. Some theologians believe between one and two million people. But they were in captivity. And this entire Passover account shows us how God can deliver us from captivity and how God can bring us to His glorious freedom. Uh, let's read Exodus chapter 12. Of course, Moses has gone to Pharaoh. Nine plagues have happened. And now the tenth plague is about to come on the land of Egypt. Exodus chapter 12 verse 1, While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. He said, On the tenth day of this month, each family must choose a lamb for sacrifice. 
As we study the Old Testament, we know that the sacrificial system, the sacrifice of an animal to atone for or to cover the sins of the people is a theme in the Old Testament. But I want you to see the New Testament parallel. In John 1.29, Jesus Christ is pictured or is, is uh, foreshadowed in the Jewish Passover. You remember what John the Baptist said of Jesus in John 1? Jesus said the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Now what an odd way to introduce a person. Jesus Christ, a Lamb. Yet we'll see how Christ is the Lamb of God that was sacrificed in the Jewish Passover. Let's keep reading from Exodus. In verse 5, the animal you must select must be a one-year-old male with no defect. In other words, as much as is possible, find a perfect sacrifice. Well, an animal could never be perfect, hence they sacrificed these animals over and over again in the history of the nation of Israel. But Jesus lived a perfect life. You see, this is why Christianity is different from any other religion in the world, not just its teachings, but the life that its founder Jesus Christ lived, a perfect life to sacrifice Himself for our sins. Notice what it said, this animal in verse 6, the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb at twilight. Now, this is Good Friday. Today, around 12 o'clock, Christ is crucified. The very time that you and I are speaking now, Jesus hung on a cross. And He was there until the darkness of 3 o'clock in the afternoon. But notice there to take some of the blood, this is back to Moses, take some of the blood from this animal, this lamb, and smear it on the sides and top of the door frames of their houses. Now some believe that they would take uh, uh, some uh, a rag or they would take a, a plant, dip it in the blood of the sacrifice, and put it on the doorpost of their heart. Perhaps it foreshadows the picture of the cross of Christ. Eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. And we'll understand what that means. Verse 12, God said, On that night I'm going to pass through the land of Egypt, and I'll strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. Here was the tragedy. God said, I'm going to execute judgment on all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign, marking the houses where you're staying. And when I see the blood... Now listen to what the God Himself said. When I see the blood on the doorpost of your house, it'll serve as a sign. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. In other words, there'll be no death in that house. There'll be no judgment because the blood provided a covering, an atonement, a protection from the sinfulness of the wicked world. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now that was the promise and it happened. History records in the Bible that the plague swept through the nation of Egypt in all of its destructive power and the firstborn in every household was killed. There was wailing throughout the land of Egypt. Well, guess what? One day there's going to be a judgment that comes on the world and it's not just going to be for the firstborn. It's going to be for every human being that has sinned, which all of us have, but the wonderful news is, just like the blood of that lamb protected the Israelite people from the plague that would come upon them in judgment, the blood of Jesus Christ protects us.
We don't physically take blood and put it upon our heart as it were, but by faith we accept what Christ did on the cross, that His blood was shed for us, and on Judgment Day, God will pass over us. But could we also believe today that in the midst of this coronavirus, that the power of the blood of Christ would protect our households? I want you to pause just a minute and think of that. The power of the blood of Jesus Christ would protect us in the plagues that are in America today. Because listen, there is safety and security in Jesus Christ. Let's keep reading the Lord's Supper. Now I want you to leap ahead 1,500 years from Moses in Egypt. Matthew 26, Jesus is with His disciples. They're sitting around the table and they're going to partake in what's called the Lord's Supper. We call it communion. The word communion means a fellowship with God and man, symbolizing that what we remember, the death, burial, resurrection of Christ, His death on the cross, opened the way for communion or fellowship with God. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 26. On the first day of the festival, unleavened bread. Now, we're going to come back to that, but un the festival of unleavened bread was merged with Passover, and it was a week-long celebration where they were celebrating the harvest. But we'll come back to that later. The disciples came to Jesus and said, Where do you want us to prepare the Passover meal for you? Jesus said, As you go into the city... Now, this is interesting. He said, You'll see a certain man. Tell the man, the teacher says, My time has come. I'll eat the Passover meal with my disciples at your house. Now, can you imagine if somebody came up to you that you didn't know and say, Hey, somebody wants to come and eat the Passover meal. Well, we'd think it's going to cost me something. It'll be an inconvenience. It'll be dangerous. I don't know him. But think now, for all eternity, this man will be celebrated because he took some of what God entrusted to him. This large upper room, just like Joseph of Arimathea, alone Jesus' tomb for three days. This man took of his resources and allowed them to be used for the kingdom of God. It's a great lesson there. But let's keep reading. As you go, uh, see, Jesus said, verse 20, When it was evening, Jesus sat down at the table with the twelve uh, apostles. And as they were eating a meal together, Jesus took some bread and He broke it. I want you to take whatever portion of bread that you have now. He broke that bread and He blessed it. And then Jesus said, Take and eat this. This is my body. Now this is not literally the body of Christ, your bread, your cracker. It represents the horrible death Jesus endured. On this Good Friday, if you'd go back and read in the Gospels of the account of what Jesus endured, He was arrested after the Passover. Of course, He had the meal. He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's arrested. He doesn't sleep. He sweat. In his prayer, he was sweating and it was blood literally coming out of the pores of his skin. Unimaginable pain. He didn't get any sleep that night. He was arrested. He was taken into custody. And early that morning, they took him. He was falsely judged. A crown of thorns was placed on his head. He was spit and he was brutalized. He was beaten beyond recognition. He carried a cross through the city. He went to a hill called Golgotha. He went there and his nailed to the cross, his hands, his feet. And he hung on that cross and at any time he could have gotten down, but he didn't do it. He did it for us. And what it literally was, was a bearing the penalty, a bearing the judgment 
of your sin and mine. It's a horrible thing. Passover meal on Thursday night, death on Friday. Today as we take this remembrance of the Passover, the Lord's Supper, I want you to remember when we're eating this, Friday between 12 and 3, remember that Jesus died on the cross for us to forgive our sins. Let's pray over it. Bow your head with me and, and you pray and join me. Heavenly Father, we ask You today that You would bless this bread as we remember the broken body of Christ that was broken and bruised for our sins. Today we acknowledge that we have sinned before Almighty God and we humbly ask You to forgive us. Lord, we ask that the blood of Jesus would cover us just like the Passover meal, the Passover lamb, the blood covered the early Israelite people. Let Your blood cover us, atone for us, and forgive our many sins. We ask You to bless this bread. If there's sickness in our body, heal it. Preserve us from the plagues on this earth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's eat together. Verse 27, Jesus took a cup of wine. He gave thanks to God. I've got juice, by the way. He gave thanks to God and He gave it to them. And Jesus said, each of you drink from it. This is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and His people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. The word covenant is a promise. There's a promise that is made from God that is symbolized in this cup. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness of sins. The Bible further says life is in the blood. So this cup represents Christ's life that was poured out for us as a sacrifice and as a substitute so our sins could be forgiven. It was a sad day for Jesus, Good Friday, but it's a glorious day for us. I want you to first of all remember the words of Jesus. Jesus said, if you forgive men their sins, I'll forgive you. But if you don't forgive men for their sins, I won't forgive you. Which simply means as we ask God's forgiveness in this cup, we will forgive people that have sinned against us. And there are many. But you know what? Just as we have been forgiven, we want to forgive. Unforgiveness is like holding and binding somebody in your hands. We're holding them there for justice, for punishment. Forgiveness is releasing them and turning them over to God. And I want to add, let's pray together as we remember the blood of Christ. Today, Lord, we humbly are grateful for the blood of Christ that was shed for us. Today, we ask you to wash our sins away and make them as white as snow. And by faith, we receive that today. Not only, Lord, do we ask our forgiveness for us, but we ask forgiveness for the people that have sinned against us. Today, we choose to forgive them. Whatever they've done wrong, Whatever they fail to do right, just as we've been forgiven, we forgive them. We bless this cup today as we remember you in Jesus' name. Let's drink together. Amen. Remember the words of Paul the Apostle when he said uh, in his epistle, Paul said, we take this cup, we eat this bread, remembering Jesus until He comes. So now listen, the sadness of Good Friday turns into joy because Easter, not Easter, the resurrection is coming.
Sunday morning will be a glorious day, but we look forward to the second coming of Jesus Christ. I want to close with this thought. Now what? Communion thus far has been about me, but I want to close with this thought. It's our privilege and our responsibility to tell other people about the Savior. Remember when Jesus referred to the Feast of Unleavened Bread? Well, I forgot to tell you this, but it's originally it was an agriculture festival, but it marked the beginning of harvest. It would begin after the Passover. And I want you to think about harvest, not just of grain or fruit, but think of the harvest of human beings, of souls for Christ. Listen to the words of John 4, verse 35. Jesus said, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. But Jesus said, wake up and look around. The fields are already ripe to harvest. Now he's talking about our neighborhood, our city, our contacts on Facebook, on the internet, the people that we work with. He's talking about people that we see in Walmart. Jesus said the harvesters, which is us, are paid good wages. That will be our reward. And the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. In other words, when I share with people the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and that person steps to Christ, their eternal soul has been influenced by what I did. Jesus said, What joy awaits the planter and the harvester alike. You know the saying, one plants and another harvests. In other words, for decades, thousands of years, people have been sharing the gospel with other people. Translators recorded the Bible. People have written it down. People have shared it. It's on the internet. It's in sermons. But listen to this, what I believe is prophetic for us today. Verse 38, Jesus said, I sent you to harvest where you didn't plant. Others had already done the work, and now you will get to gather the harvest. Friends, there's nothing greater than sharing your faith with another person. There's no other greater, more eternally impacting thing you can do than ask them this defining question. If you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Friends, I see an openness in the hearts of people now. I hear it on Facebook. I see it in whatever, in many cases now, arm's lengths that I speak to people. But you know what? People are hungry. And this coronavirus won't last forever. It won't lock us in forever. But now in whatever measure that you talk to people, I'm doing this. I, I, I do it with my mailman. I, I, I do it if I go on an essential shopping uh, 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 link. If the FedEx man delivers a package while he or she stands six to ten feet away, I ask them if I can pray with them. Friends, this is harvest time. And Jesus forgave us so we could take His good news to other people. We celebrate His death, burial, and resurrection. Invite as many of your friends as you can. If you'll get them to watch our Easter service, Saturday at 6, Sunday at 9 and 11, friends, they'll hear the gospel of Christ, and together we'll see a great harvest of souls. I love you. Thanks for tuning in today. And Lord willing, I'll see you soon.
We're so excited that you tuned in with us this Good Friday. We pray that you'd have a blessed day.